1: people in the 3CR community, girls, boys, dogs, cats, cars, bikes, the lot of you. Um, you, listen to the dogs program. We are the dogs program because we are the defenders of government schools. We're a program in 3CR that's been going for decades and decades and decades because we need to because government schools in Australia are under attack from all sorts of people. Strangely enough, one of the groups attacking government schools is the government itself. So you've got to come to 3CR to find out what's going on when it comes to government schools and what's being done to protect them, what's being done to let them thrive, and what's being done to support them. Um, Also... Sometimes we have to tell you what's being done to attack them Which is a little bit of what we'll be talking about today the, To end the program of course We always have our lovely great state schools Where we highlight a particular school from around Australia A particular government school that's doing a great job But there's some interesting things going on here in Victoria Which Jean will be highlighting We started yesterday talking about some work that CREFIT, Not yesterday, so what have we talking about We started last week talking about The problems of the government schools in Victoria In terms of funding And Gene will be giving us some more details about that But we'll be ranging further afield, not just in terms of places where schools are, but in terms of ideas. Because when you come to supporting government schools, one of the reasons you support government schools, of course, is that it gives the best opportunity to the largest number of people to get the best education they can in the 21st century. That's it. And if we're not in the business of doing that as a country, or indeed as a planet, we've got big problems. Now, in Australia, there's all sorts of ways of dividing up children. We divide them up on their race, we divide them up on their ethnicity, we divide them up on gender, we divide them up on age, we divide them up on all sorts of things. And we even have separate school systems that educate those groups of children separately, certainly in terms of income. Uh, we think that's wrong. and We'll be highlighting in a number of ways these strange and perverse situations that turn up in Australia. Um, talking of strange and perverse, um, Mark Latham has... Uh, Started to um, buy into the education debate, and I, I think our listeners might be very interested to hear what he has to say. He was the author of the hit list all those years ago in the early 2000s. Hit yes, list of private so schools. On the Catholic, Catholic
2: Church in Sydney, and oh, look what happened to him. Yes, yes well,
1: he's, it's, he's uh, not uh, doing uh, that anymore. Not doing that anymore. No, it's all rather interesting. So that's just a bit of fun and games, Mark, Mark Latham. He's in the New South Wales Parliament, but it's still. Interesting. We'll be talking, indeed, about bigger ideas, but before we get stuck into that, and indeed our great state school, which we'll be talking about at the end, Jean's got her press release. Yes, and it is press release 800. 800 press releases, which you can get at our website, www.adogs.info. Now, I don't suggest you read them all back to back. Because that's a lifetime achievement award. If you do, if you do read all Gene's press releases back to back, you will be getting a lifetime achievement award, a free book. (laughs) Yes, contempt of court written by Gene. So if you really liked all those 800 press releases, you can hear more about the origins of the of the dogs themselves. Actually, Um, however, press release 800 has something very important to say. It's a it's a millennial press release.
2: Yes, uh, Trevor Cobald of Save Our School has made the front page of the age with his article, uh, Skullduggery by the Morrison Andrews Governments Robs Victorian Public Schools of Billions. Now, Trevor Kobold is the whiz kid facts and figures man from Save Our Schools, Canberra, and he's blown the whistle on the education funding deal stitched up between the federal and Victorian state governments. And surprise, surprise, his expose of the scandal engulfing the two-thirds of Australian children in our public schools made the front page of The Age on the 8th of July 2019 Congratulations Trevor and congratulations to Henrietta Cook from The Age but gird your loins, supporters of public schools because Victorian public schools are set to miss out on up to $5 billion due to an escape clause in the recent funding deal linked up between the state and Commonwealth. That's the finding of this new analysis by the former Productivity Commission economist and education researcher Trevor Cobalt, who has accused the politicians of using accounting tricks to reduce funding for public schools. So how have they done this? The new funding agreement between the Commonwealth and the Victorian governments, which was signed last month after the election, is set to rob the state's public schools of billions over a 10-year period. Cumulative underfunding will amount to over 17 billion by 2028. And as with the other Commonwealth State Agreements, the Victorian Agreement is heavily biased against public schools and in favour of private schools. And the public schools are to be underfunded indefinitely, while private schools will be fully funded by 2023. Now, Trevor finds it unconscionable that the Victorian Labor Government conspired with the Morrison Government to defraud our public schools in this way. He says it's unconscionable that public schools in Victoria should be underfunded indefinitely while private schools are fully funded within the next four years. Indeed, funding provided to private schools outside the agreement by the Morrison Government will ensure that they are overfunded from 2023 at the latest and as we've been telling you for some time on this program many of them are overfunded even at this point in time The new agreement allows the Victorian Government to continue to underfine public schools indefinitely in two ways. It sets a low formal resource target that is reduced further by some skullduggery between the Morrison and Andrews Governments in this way Under the agreement, the Commonwealth will increase its funding of public schools from 17.2% of the schooling resource standard in 2018 to 20% by 2023, while the Victorian Government is due to increase its share from 68% to 75% by 2028. So public schools in Victoria are never going to reach 100% of the school resourcing standard in the way private schools are. Formally, public schools will only ever be funded at 95% of their SRS. That's the schooling resource standard. The cumulative funding loss from transmitting to only 95% of the school resourcing standard by 2028, compared with funding at 100% from 2018 is estimated by Trevor Cobold at about $12 billion. However, public schools are being shortchanged even more. We've been talking about this for some months now how the public schools are never going to reach the same resource standard as private schools and that's before the private schools even count in their extortionate fees. But they're going to be shortchanged even more as a result of two special deals in the agreement between Tian and the Andrews government. And these are the accounting tricks that allow the Victorian government to count other expenditures not included in the nationally agreed definition of the schooling resource standard. So it's an accounting trick, isn't it? And how do they do that? Uh, They are going to do it like this. The additional expenditures allowed are the depreciation of capital assets oh, I love depreciation of capital assets when I fill in or have to get my accountant to fill in my taxation return. You can count in this lovely depreciation over a period of years and it really brings up your exemptions, I can tell you. And as well as that, they have counted in rural school transport. And the relevant clause in the agreement 32A states that these are the only items that can be included as part of the 4% concession. So as well as the 5% they're never going to get of the schooling resource standard at 90, with the 95%, there's another 4% concession through these accounting tricks. Allowance for these expenditure items undermines the integrity of the schooling resource standard, doesn't it? Because they are not included in the nationally agreed definition of the schooling resource standard. So the schooling resource standard of public schools is measured by net recurrent income per student as compiled by the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority, that's ACARA. And that includes income received by schools and a notional income derived from benefits provided by state education departments in the form of teaching staff, administrative support, IT support, etc. And they're allocated to schools according to full-time equivalent enrolments. Now ACARA's financial data reporting methodology specifically excludes a number of other non-school expenditures, including payroll tax, user cost of capital, depreciation, school transport and expenditure by regulatory agencies such as curriculum and registration authorities. Now, those the expenditure involved in all of those things is in the state budgets, and over the years, ever since I can remember, back to the 1960s, these extra costs, which the state education department um, has to has to fork out for, uh, have been used in the total of expenditure on state school education and have been used by the private schools when they demand that they should get 25% of that total expenditure. So accounting tricks... Uh, have been used ever since state aid was introduced. So the cumulative loss to public schools from substituting the allowed non-school expenditures for increases in recurrent school funding to 2028 under this special arrangement is estimated by Save Our Schools at about $5 So that's 12 billion plus 5 billion and that's how Trevor Cobold says that in the next 10 years state schools in Victoria are going to be shortchanged 17 billion. One is because they don't have to pay state school children up to the 100% of the resource standard and the other 5 billion is because of these accounting tricks. Counting into the total, uh, the expenditures, which in fact are enjoyed by all schools, including the, um, the, the non-government schools or the, the private schools. But also they have nothing to do in the final analysis with what goes into the schools themselves. The Victorian Government also got a second special deal from the Morrison Government for signing up that is not available to the other states because in addition to that 4% allowance for those non-school costs, it can claim expenditure on the Victorian Curriculum and Assessment Authority and the Victorian Registration and Qualifications Authority as it relates to public schools as part of its share of the SRS or that's the School Resourcing Standard. In other state agreements, expenditure on such regulatory authorities is included in the 4% allowance and is not as an extra allowance. In the Victorian agreement, it is clearly specified separately from the 4% concession as an extra allowance. So here we have the Andrews government cashing in and giving less to our public schools. Uh, now, what uh, what is the gain from this? The annual reports of these Victorian authorities, which, by the way, are also used by non-government schools, show that their expenditure was 79 million in 2018. So that amounts to 50 million for public schools prorated by enrolment share. And the cumulative expenditure over 10 years is estimated at another 612 million, assuming 2% annual growth in expenditure. So that's bringing us up to almost $18 billion. And this is another breach of the nationally agreed definition of the schooling resources standard. Governments have undermined the integrity of the schooling resource standard measure to meet their financial interests in limiting increases in funding for public schools. Now, it's the state governments that are responsible primarily for our public schools, and they are selling the children in public schools short in their dealings with the Commonwealth Government. That is, and the Commonwealth Government is only too happy to sell public schools short. So we suggest that you, go, you read the, in total our press release uh, with all of these uh, figures from Trevor Kobol because he is an expert in this area. But um, the question then arises, what was the reaction to Trevor's expose? A Victorian government spokesman said that the items included in the standard were consistent with other states, and they said, our massive record investment in school infrastructure, uh, and he used the figure of $5.6 billion, when in fact they're going to do something about perhaps 100 schools when we need 200 new schools in a, in a very short time. Federal Education Minister Dan Tian said, It was up to the Victorian Government to explain why it's the lowest funder of public schools across the nation. And Justin Mullally, the Deputy President of the Victorian branch of the Australian Education Union, said that including spending on other education costs missed the point of needs-based funding. What schools care about, he said, is the actual support they have for children in classrooms every day. Some of the key goals of this so-called education state, not least breaking the link between disadvantage and academic achievement, become difficult when you have funding deals that don't deliver support to the school level to help the students. Malali says that there was an astounding lack of transparency about the deal and it's not yet known how much money will flow to schools across each year of the agreement we're calling on the Victorian government to come clean on what the deal looks like over the five years, he said. Well, there's nothing surprising in this, of course, to the dogs. We've been used to these kind of deals which favour the private schools and uh, put the, second, the public schools last uh, since uh, state aid was in, introduced in uh, the 1960s. But In the current situations, dogs note that if the government-subsidised so-called private schools are now provided with more funding than public schools, then the only efficient economic policy going forward is to take the private schools over, open them up to all children and for those who wish to be independent, let them put their money where their rhetoric and their belief systems really are. There were other reactions in to the age article uh, in the comments section, and after this break, I'll ask Dale to read some of those
0: out to you. Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117.
2: A 3CR supporter.
3: Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 03 9419 8377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. It will be worth the effort to get to Darwin from the 2nd to the 4th of August for the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's National Conference, Australia at the Crossroads. Time for an independent foreign policy. Held under the ominous shadow of US-China contention and US-Australia military exercises for war on China, discussion and speakers will address the social and economic cost of militarism to Australia, the impact of militarism on the environment, and the dangers posed to our peace and security by stationing US troops in Darwin. For more details, head to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's website at ipan.org.au. IPAN is a 3CR supporter.
2: Well, we're back to the dogs program on 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial. And we've just read you our press release 800 about how our public schools in Victoria have been shortchanged uh, by the Andrews government as well as the TN government, uh, the Morrison government in Canberra. Uh, the report on it, a very good report, was in The Age, uh, thanks to Henrietta Cook, on the 8th of July. And Dale is going to read us out some of the comments that people made on this scandal, because that's what it is. Thanks, Jen. Yes, there's plenty of
4: comments here. Uh, the first one I've got is from someone calling themselves Socrates, uh, saying, education is a vicious class weapon in Australia and our nation suffers as a consequence. Conservatives and supporters of private schools would prefer it if the children of workers still worked in preferably coal mines rather than educate themselves. They won't admit it, but their policies are aimed at division and inequality. What a wasteful, multi-billion dollar ongoing mess. We can commission another 50 Gonski reports, but nothing will change unless the core paradigm of inequality is replaced with one where every child has equal opportunity. Is anyone really surprised? And Turak Pete replies, I dare say tongue-in-cheek, well, Scott Morrison needs that money to give tax cuts to rich people like me, so the public schools can just go suffer. And uh, then AFP says... uh, Interesting that the Victorian government is one of the lowest contributors to school funding in the country, but it seems to be the federal government at fault. Maybe Andrews could provide the funding that other states provide to their students before bleating about how hard done they are. And Beattie says the LNP... Federal government's meanness and deliberate underfunding of public education continues. Why fund public schools adequately? It might threaten the LNP's surplus. And then A-String replies, "'Many voters have been t- sold the idea that private school education is better, and our pollies are tuned in to this sentiment. It's not a crime to want what's best for your kids.' But the reality is that it's not significantly better in terms of educational outcomes. Mm -hmm. And private school students tend to flounder when exposed to tertiary education. Mm -hmm. Essentially, they are less resilient. I suspect private education is popular because it keeps our children away from the great unwashed. That just feeds into a segregated society where we all pay for dysfunctional behaviour and crime. The solution? Take an active interest in your child's education, build resilience and spend some of the private school fees on holidays, paying down a mortgage or investment in work-life balance. And then Gail says, well, who would have thought that this might happen? Scamming money from the non-religious schools. You can bet that this cost saving will find its way in some form to the coffers of religious schools.
2: Thank you, Dale. Some of the comments also related to another cost that the Morrison government uh, included in its rag bag to pay, so they could pay less money. And the rag bag included uh, payroll tax. Now, I don't think it's well known that in Victoria and probably in other states as well, payroll tax, which is a state tax, uh, is paid by public schools, by the Education Department, on behalf of public schools, but it is not paid by private religious schools. They are exempt from payroll tax because they are charities. So you have a situation where the government taxes itself. It's quite extraordinary. But it's a considerable expense, and that also was included by the Andrews government in that rag bag that I'm talking about of extra costs to the state education department, which they then use to say, uh, we'll divide this by the number of children and that's how much we spend on the children's education. It's, an, once again, an accounting trick. And it's very sad that a government has to lower itself to that level in order to try to prove that they are doing the right thing by public school children when we all know they are not. The proof is in the schools themselves where the teachers are dipping into their own pockets uh, to provide essentials for their children and the parents are raising thousands and, in fact, billions of dollars around Australia to provide for essentials in our public schools. And they are doing that. They are doing that. So one wonders how much private people are producing for their private schools in comparison to which parents are providing essentials for public schools in Australia at the moment.
1: Thank you very much, Jean. You've to the DOGS program I'm here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's good to have your company with Jean, myself, Rob and Dale here in the studio. Yeah, a bit of a music now, and then we'll come back with some more facts and figures relating to the defending of government schools. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs. Look, it's great to have your company. I did promise um, a little bit of humour at the beginning of the show because Mark Latham has decided he's going to weigh into the education debate. And um, it's fascinating. I'll just share it with you. It's an interesting article written by Jordan Baker. I'll paraphrase it here. He says that Mark Latham, who's now a One Nation Member of Parliament in New South Wales, in the Upper House. He says teachers and principals should get bonuses if their students perform well and believe students should be given financial incentives to achieve better results.
2: I think Mark Blatham thinks that education is a commodity the way farmers and others are now thinking of water as a commodity. Our basic resource is a commodity. Our children's basic right is a commodity. What kind of people are we dealing with in this country?
1: Um, I'd actually go further. I'd say they think it's a product. I just think rather than it's a product, it can be marketed, it can be sold, it can have its value increased or decreased on, on a share market. Um, you know, water, you know, well, let's have more water on the stock market because that's what the stock market demands, but there's no water. But no, but we've got to have more. We'll we'll, we'll just divide it up into smaller bits and therefore say it's to a currency, something, you know, it's weird.
2: And we'll speculate with it. Yes, well, um, the dog's position is quite clear. The education of the child is that child's right and that cuts across all of this. In the
1: 21st century, um, education is the most important right for any human being on the planet, um, that is our responsibility to the future generations, that they are better educated than we are. Um, I got an education. The people that come after me need to know more than I know and they need to be more flexible in the way they apply that knowledge. That is my responsibility. That's why I'm here sitting behind a microphone. But anyway, back to Mr Latham. He says children should be given financial incentives and then they'll get better results and the teachers and principals should also get financial incentives so that that their children can get better results and that will solve the education problem. He says that he's been appointed at the moment as the chair of the New South Wales Parliament Upper Houses Education Committee and he also wants non-government schools to have similar scrutiny um, of their outcomes as public schools. Well, so that's not a bad idea, I suppose. Anyway, the committee's first I inquiry. it another hit list. Oh, maybe. The committee's first inquiry will be into how schools measure results. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yes, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth measuring well, says Mark Latham. <laughs> how well it's done is completely, who cares? Um, he says the prevalence of testing, grading, achievement awards, and performance standards appears to be in decline, he says. <laughs> Mr. Latham says improving testing results will be one of his re- priorities. <laughs> So I can't stop laughing Um, he says and I quote we, one nation, are wanting to be a positive policy contributor, not spoilers wreckers or lunatics well I think he's got a handle on something there so he's he's jumping around saying I'm not a spoiler, I'm not a wrecker and I'm not a lunatic Mm -hmm. sounds like a used carisman saying trust me, trust me, trust me (laughs) he says we've got a role to play in adding some good ideas now he says some other things which are equally hilarious. He's as a public
2: school boy. He should um, he should go back to his roots
1: out there in the west of oh, Sydney. I don't know, ma'am. I, I don't know Poor him. Bloke. I, no, I don't pity him either. No, no, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not taking that line. I don't I don't I don't have to, because I have here another article which is seemingly unrelated. But if you think that giving financial incentives to children to do well at school and financial incentives to teach us to do well with, 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 with kids in school then you end up with a system where you take all the kids who are going to do well and you put them in one place and everyone makes a lot of money and you take all the kids who you know aren't going to do any good and you put them in another place and no one makes any money and who cares so that is, that is not just financial segregation of aggressive parents wanting the best for their children that's, that, that's a whole system designed to create pools of, of wealth because a smart child is now worth money it's worth money to the parents It's worth money to the teachers It's worth money to the principals And they'll be hoarded And they'll be gathered And they'll be put together in little rich children farms Not rich children, smart children farms Pools of wealth in pockets of poverty Yeah, and do you know when you put all the smart kids together And do all that sort of stuff Well, And, and, then the, and the, of course the way you measure smart Is by testing them You get something called A selective high school Now in Perth there is a high school, and the high school in Perth is called the Perth Modern School. Now, it is a state school. so it's a state school, and it is a selective state school, and it's the only selective state school in Western Australia. Now, this school, the Mark Latham, really there are zero disadvantaged children, none whatsoever. Ask me now, how many Indigenous kids are in this school? How many Indigenous kids are in this selective school, Rob? Why? Thank you very much for asking. It's in Western Australia, bear in so there's a lot of Indigenous mm-hmm. kids over there. None. Hmm. Zero. Zero. There are zero Indigenous kids and there are zero children in the lowest quartile. Zero. Ask me how many kids are in the second.
2: It sounds
1: like Berry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Haileybury's got nothing on this place. Um, this is a state school, okay? This mm. is a state school full of smart kids, okay? Yeah, and, and they've been tested to get in there, so they are smart. That, that's not the question. Now, of the, not of the bottom quartile, these are, these are you know, lower middle class Australians in, in that little quartile. Jane, there are 2% of the children in this selective state school in Western Australia. 88% come from the richest families of Western Australia, and 11% come from the upper middle class ranks. So everything, everyone, 98% of the kids there are rich. It is, in fact, in the entire country. And this is absolutely fascinating. I, I, I just want to share this with you. An article, this has been uncovered by Rebecca Carmody and by ABC News. She says that, according to figures, Perth modern students are the second most advantaged students in any school in this country. There fine. is only one school that has a higher ICSI value, only one school in the entire country, and that is Sydney Grammar.
2: How interesting, because I think that Bob Hawke went to this school, which explains something about Bob Hawke, doesn't it?
1: Well, what it was and what it is, as you know, Jean, they're yeah. very different. Could be. The school's Ixia values is determined by parents' occupation, level of education, as we know. It is higher than every single other top Perth private school. So if you know Perth, it's, they've got richer kids than, than St Hilda's, Christchurch Grammar, St John the XIII's College, Scots College and Howe School, all, all in Perth. It is the most economically exclusive school in the entire state, and it's, and it's a state school. Do you know, do you it's know a what selective this proves, school. don't you? Yes, I do.
2: It proves that there's quite a few wealthy people in Western Australia that realise that the state system is better than the private system. Of course they do. Yes, the proof. Yeah, well, we know that. Those, hmm. of, those, of, the, those of us who, who, who really do know how the world works, but rich people don't always no. know how the world works.
1: Now, these figures have prompted calls for an overhaul in the highly competitive entry test because the way you get into this place is an entry test. It's called an ASET over there in Western Australia. Now, of 2,563 students who applied to get in each year, 225 are off of places. So it's immensely exclusive based upon this test. Now, a particular researcher, Eileen Slater, from the Edith Cohen University, said, hey, I'm doing this research. This is just extraordinary. She says, she says, while it's understandable that affluent families would want to access high-quality education, he was concerned that genuinely gifted students were missing out because of their postcodes. Because in Australia, your postcode determines your income. They are so highly correlated you can say one causes the other. So either your income causes your postcode or your postcode causes your income. Well, and, you realise and what's And statisticians here. out there, I'm sorry, I'm crossing a line, but it's just true. Now, that is Mark Latham's world. Now, even in New South Wales, where there's been a very similar trend, they're going, "Hang on, this is this is not what these schools are for." Mm. The Perth Modern School wasn't set up to educate the rich and the elite. In fact, it was set up to educate the best and the brightest. And I'll tell you right now, the rich and the elite are not the best and the brightest. So how do those two things come together? How do you get a situation where the best and the brightest all of a sudden become the rich and the elite? Real estate. Nope. Testing. Testing, testing, testing. And buying And and tutors. Buying tutors. Buying tutors, setting the test, learning for the test, teaching for the test, up to a point. So, Mark Latham, if you want to financially reward rich children for turning up to rich schools and and teachers to get richer by getting places in rich schools because that's where they've all ended up, then um, you're not really interested in education policy. You're interested in something else. I think those two articles for me just, just blew my mind. I went, Mark, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. If he was here in the studio, I'd tell him the same thing and we'd argue the point with any luck. Um, i There's some really interesting other things I actually want to share with you. One. One is actually about a large idea, a very large idea that's an educational idea, but it's also an idea that affects Australia in general. And how do you want to talk about is the idea of reform, the idea of educational reform. But mm-hmm. we'll re, but we'll return.
2: We've had so many reforms that are in fact deforms that I'm fascinated to hear about this.
4: An urgent call-out to our listeners and supporters. Drew and Steve from the CFMEU Victaz have been personally fined by the ABCC a total of almost $20,000 for going on to a site to check up on safety standards. The ABCC has also ruled that the CFMEU can't pay the fine for them. If Drew and Steve can't pay by July the 19th, they'll be in contempt of court and will face jail time. To donate, go to That's unfairfines.raisely.com. That's UnfairFinds.Raisley.com. 3CR is Proudly Union Radio.
3: Don't panic. There is a Planet B. Come along to a sparkling night of progressive comedy at Left Weekly's annual comedy debate. Join Masters of Ceremonies, Rod Quantock with Sean Bedlam, Duff, Fiona Scott-Norman, Child, Kirstie Mack and Tom Tanuki. Tickets are $50 Solidarity, $30 Regular, $22 Low Waged and $12 Concession. There'll be a bar and the opportunity to buy a delicious dinner. Friday the 26th of July, 6.30pm at the Brunswick Town Hall don't panic there is a planet b a fundraiser for the radical newspaper green left weekly bookings are essential phone 96398622 8622 or go to trybooking.com forward slash b d h t x green left weekly is a 3cr supporter
1: Welcome back to the Dogs Program. Um, I promised just before the other side of those interesting messages that we're talking about this word that's used. Um, the word is reform, and it's been co-opted. Now, reform was co-opted in the early twentieth century by various. I think. What, what do we call them today? Cultural Marxists or something? Yeah. You know, Reforming the system. You know, proletarian, this, labor, capital, all that sort of stuff. Reform. Labor reform. The reform acts
2: in England. Doesn't yeah, oh, that's nineteenth century. But,
1: but, but the words changed deformed, as, as Jean was saying before the break. Very interesting article. It's not very long, but I think it's very pithy and it's worth sharing here because this applies to the education sphere, but it applies to other ideas as well. Richard Dennis um, is the Chief Economist at the Australia Institute, and he says, we need to reform the way we talk about reform, unless we urgently implement reform, reform. It's likely that hardworking mums and dads will lose their job and life savings, and obviously that will be all the fault of the Labour Party and the unions, and anyone else opposed to reform reforms. In Australia, powerful groups act as though they own the word reform these days. Anyone who poses their preferred changes is labelled retrograde or a hater or of hard-working mums and dads, and you often hear the phrase class warfare as well. Now, words matter. And when a politician and business leader strip words of their meaning, they're really stripping themselves is the ability to change anyone's mind. The word reform simply means change for the better. Arguing that we need to change the tax system, for instance, for the better is like arguing we need to reduce childhood obesity or congestion in cities. Everyone just goes, well, yeah, we agree. The question is what constitutes a better tax system or a better industrial relations system or how best to improve children's health because those who want to cut company tax rates make it easier to sack workers um, are afraid they won't be able to convince the majority of Australians that that, that such tax and IR changes would be for the better, they keep the details of their proposals to themselves and simply call all of this a reform. It's an Orwellian abuse of language, and it works a treat. Neoliberalism's best trick has always been to pretend that there's no alternative. I'm just going to say that again. I think that's a very powerful statement. Mm -hmm. Neoliberalism's best trick has always been to pretend that there's no alternative. Countries can either have low taxes, low quality services and low wages, or they can become uncompetitive wastelands in which mums and dads fear for their and their children's futures. But of course, alternatives do exist. The countries with the highest incomes, the highest levels of productivity and levels of happiness are also the highest taxing countries with high levels of public funding and high levels of union membership. While it's easy for governments and businesses to airbrush Nordic countries out of debates about economic reform in Australia, it's impossible to airbrush them from the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank and the OECD League tables. Nordic countries with the weakest determination to cut taxes have the wealthiest economies. Countries with the highest rates of union membership have the highest outputs per worker. But in Australia, facts are disregarded for their well-known left-wing bias. Um, Only a month after the Morrison government was re-elected on the basis that its tax cuts would make the economy strong, the head of the Australian Industry Group, Innes Wilcox, warns, it is clear our economy is neither robust nor in good health. This situation threatens the strength of our communities and our ability to continue to lift living standards, they say. Luckily, wonderfully, Wilcox has the solution to the problem. This is the problem he couldn't actually see before the election. It seems we need, drum roll, please, reform. We need to reform our unfair dismissal laws to make it easier to sack people. Presumably except for Israel, Folau, um and make it easier to deregister unions. According to Mr Wilcox, what we seek are a few key measures backed by strong evidence to make the system work better for all as a reform. Accordingly to the proponents of the new IR laws, the need for change wasn't worth mentioning three months ago, but we now need urgent change, urgent reform. Back to work choices, eh? What better example than the need to reform uh, the way we debate reform could there be? If Australia really wanted to make changes for the better, it might seem to seek to emulate world-class education systems. For instance, of the Scandinavian countries, the world-class industrial relations systems that drive German productivity, or the world-class rapid transport systems of Hong Kong or Singapore. And if Australian policymakers wanted to start talking economic, taking economic advice seriously, they would introduce a carbon price, stop subsidising pollution, and spend a lot more money on preventative health. But there's no indication the Morrison government or our leading business lobbies take evidence, or economics, seriously. Which is why the public take neither government nor big business seriously when they claim we have no choice but to reform the things that they feel like changing but can do nothing about rising emissions, rising inequality and rising congestion. The education campaign and the election campaign was the time for business to make their case for change and they were so committed to their reforms why did they say nothing then? Mm. The word reform is broken. We need to fix it and find a new one. More after this. Every week on the Dogs Programme we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Welcome back, great state schools. We're going around the country. these They we were in Sydney last week, at Balmore South, and now we're going to a school that I used to know very well, but it's changed a great deal. I'm talking about a little school down there in Hobart called our Bureau Street Primary School. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I went to our Bureau Street Primary School. Not, not that that's very interesting, but I tell you what, the school itself is interesting because It's great. Um, it's in uh, the inner bit of it's in the inner bit of Hobart, in a place called Sandy Bay and Battery Point, the two little suburbs next to each other. Uh, they're interesting places. Um, these days, this school is actually full of rich people. <laughs> it wasn't when I was a kid. Um, well, it was a mix actually. It was a mix. Um, 60% of the kids come from the top quartile, but they're going to a state school. Nice. And I happen to know there's some private schools around the area that um, a couple of them have died out because this school's fine. <laughs> Yeah, parents, rich kids, poor kids, 2% from the bottom quartile, 10% from the bottom middle, 28% from the middle quartile, and 60%. So, the ICSI value is 1,100. They're not poor, but I tell you what, they're interesting. Um you get, when I say not poor, 32% of the kids that go there come from a background language other than English. Which is interesting, because that wasn't the way it was when I was a kid either. And there's about, oh, there's about 10 kids there that are Indigenous as well. It's a, it's a funny little place. There's about 290 kids go there now. Um, That's a bit bigger than when I was around, but then there's more people in the world these days, so I suppose there's more kids in schools as well. There's 20 kids, uh, sorry, 20 teachers I should say, and about 15 support staff. But the kids that go there are welcome at the door, and they're waved off at the end of the day. No one really cares where they're from, apart from if you're from the local area. If you're from round here, you're welcome here. I suppose that's a bit parochial, but. I think we can allow a good state school to be a little bit parochial <laughs> because that's just the way it is. Um, look, it's, it's, it's in between a lot of things. It's in a little sort of little triangle in between all so many things. But the thing I like about it, because I didn't have this when I was a kid there, they have a little motto for a little primary school and it's inspiring, creating, achieving, exclamation mark. And all kids like exclamation marks. Um, look, their core values are achievement, relationships, respect, responsibility and resilience. So it's you know, standard late, early 21st century stuff. But it's what they do with those ideas. And what they actually say is we want to make things happy. <laughs> we, want to, we want to make a happy place. Happy is the first word that they use when it comes to what they do. They want to make it safe. And if you want something to be happy and safe, of course you have to be inclusive. Because underneath every private school I've ever been to, everyone talks about Heffy, everyone talks about stuff, but everyone knows about the evils that lie beyond the boundaries of all the poor people that surround them. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't that place. Inside, outside, the school lives in the community, and it has for decades upon decades upon decades, and it sits nicely in the place it is. What are the results like? They're great, they're fine. In fact, they're above average because there's a lot of rich people there, and that just happens to be the way it is in Australia, um, which is annoying It just also happens to apply to this school as well. Compared to similar schools, they're great. They're just fine. Um, About the same compared to the rest of Australia because a lot of rich kids go there. They do really, really well. It's a happy little place. So how much does it cost? I always like to talk about how much it costs because I always find this an interesting thing because everyone goes on about private schools saving money. (laughs) Okay, private schools saving money. These kids, about $12,000 a year each. Cheap as. Less,
2: Less than average
1: less than average because they don't need the money mm. because you don't because in, in a primary school you don't really need more than about $13,000 uh, the private school down the road I happen to know is on exactly the same amount of money plus parent fees so they're actually doing it they're actually wasting money if you're sending your child to <laughs> you're wasting your money to start with but you're wasting government money if you send the private school down the road
2: um, what, well, Hutchins or fan Oh France. my goodness, Faye. wasting, 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 wasting! Don't
1: do that. And, um, not, and forget about some Virgils. What's this? Um, oh, Jean yeah. knows about these schools. Oh yeah. Oh, it all, all comes out. Sorry, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we're sitting here at 3CR Studios in Smith Street, Collingwood, wax, li- waxing lyrical about, you know, about, that, about 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 the political, social, educational hierarchies of Inner Hobart about 40 years ago.
2: Oh, listen.
1: This listen. is this is this is deeply indulgent. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop this conversation right here and get back to our Bureau Street Primary School Battery Point I know you do I know you do Sorry, this, this isn't, sorry, dear listeners, this is an old debate. I have old memories of
2: making a lot of sandwiches for the uh, for the children there so that we could make a little bit of money for the school.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I'm just going to say now, I think Jean even worked in the tuck shop. Did you work in the tuck I shop? I worked in the tuck yeah, shop. Yeah, Jean worked in the tuck shop with our beer street when I went there. And
2: the, my fellow parents were wonderful people. And they, they were still are. They they could organise me. Yes, yeah. They did very well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So our Bureau Street Primary You are our great state school You were You you were And then you continue to be I'm sure you will Oh and by the way Actually by the way Move Well Eat Well School Accredited So at the moment They have this We were talking about Childhood obesity before Not at our Bureau Street No No no, no, get up and run around very
2: nice sandwiches (laughs) 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 My sandwich making skill Improved a little (laughs) It's still not very good, but it did improve at our
1: Bureau Street. And on, on that particular note, I can tell you this is the end of the DOGS program here on 3CR855 and the AMD and podcast on the WWWs. If you have a great state school that can shut myself and Gene up about a school that we will we <laughs> talk about too much, then please call us on 94198377, suggest a school. I will research it and I will broadcast the great state school that you suggest on air. If you're interested in what we're talking about, you can get hold of us at our website at WWW www.adogs.info www.adogs.info info. And if you forgot to write that down because I was talking too fast just go 3CR into Google get on their website and you can get the link from there. That's 3CR on Google or you can go to the 3CR website as well if you know it 3 crorgau But until next week when we'll have to still be here because government schools still need defending and hopefully you'll be out there listening too to support us and 3CR. It's... Until next week. Bye for now.
5: I dreamed I saw Joe last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, he are ten years dead I never died, says he Salt Lake City, Joe says, I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but i dead. Says Joe, but i dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe.